Blog Talk Radio. In case you missed it, here's a clip from last week's Fantasy Jester Show. Seven o'clock, right? No, no, I'm on the I'm on the Louisiana on the golf course. Hi, everybody. This is Ken Danico, three-time Stanley Cup champion of the New Jersey Devils, and you are listening to the hard-hitting Fantasy Jester Show. That's right, folks, the hard-hitting Fantasy Jester Show. And, and listen, we'll hit you while you're on the golf course in Louisiana. If you missed it, that was Mark Duper, and I am the one, the only Fantasy Jester. Yeah, that's right, because uh, it is the show. Fantasy Jester Show. How's everybody doing today? Wow, I can't say beautiful night here in Florida. It's uh, been a rainy, rainy couple of days. It's uh, not been the sunshine state, but let me tell you, it doesn't matter. When you have a guest like Walt Aikens on, it really doesn't matter what your weather is like. I hope wherever you're listening, it is nice, though. And sit back, enjoy the show tonight. We have a hell of a show planned for you. Here on Blog Talk Radio for that crystal clear sound. Brought to you by FantasyJesterSports.com. Miami Sunglasses and 84 Lumber. Folks, special guest Miami Dolphins, Walt Akins is in the house tonight. We're excited and proud to have him with us along with Ryan Walton. That's right, folks. It is Finns on Finns night. Ryan is going to be, <laughs> listen, Ryan is so hardcore about football and his Finns, okay? He was coming in, and this was a scheduled segment, and he is just so pumped for it. We've got, well, if you know Ryan, you know he's excited about a bunch of things. Anyway, it's going to be a fun segment. Should have a lot of laughs. Walt's a great guy. NBA playoffs, some very exciting games. Jester and JT break them down. That's right. Pretty soon I will bring them in. For those of you new to the show, my co-host in everything I do, the one, the only, Jason Townsend. I call him JT Short. NHL playoffs and a finals too good to be true. We are likely to lose Jester at this point, and he's not happy. I'll just move on. It hurts to hold this in, but I'll get there. Oh, my God. MLB Crop Report. (laughs) What can be said about this great new segment that has gained a lot of attention? Fantasy baseball players have already gained from this farm report. Let me tell you something. The guys lay it down. JT and Tate come in for the crop report. And... If you missed last week, we knocked it out of the park, not just giving great guys on the crop report. For you dynasty players and, you know, you guys in the deeper leagues for redraft for this season, we answered questions, and, wow, the reviews on that was just phenomenal. So glad we were able to help. And then if we have time, we may or may not get to NFL I don't know. Depends on how long everything goes with Walt. We'll see how that all goes. And today, if you haven't heard prior to tonight, today was the first day of the auction for your Tampa Bay Lightning jersey signed by 2012 first-round draft choice, 
Slater Cuckoo. Man, I'll tell you, one hell of a defenseman for them coming up. And here is your chance to not just have an autographed jersey by him, but also have that money do some good. I'll be talking to you more about that later. Folks, I just want to go ahead. I want to get right to my rant. If those of you are new, uh, this is my time. I get something off my chest. And right now, the something off my chest happens to be the sport I love so dearly in the NHL. I don't understand how, you know, you talk to some of these Vegas fans in the chat rooms and everything, and they're in complete, complete denial that they were handed a team. This was an unprecedented expansion draft. Never before. And they're denying it. How do you deny it? It's never been done like this before. Yes, there's that chemistry and everything else. And I understand it's taken a lot of hard work. Kudos to Vegas. Kudos to the team. Kudos to the coaching staff. That's the people that you really should give kudos to. But don't deny that the NHL handed you a much better than average team. Don't lie. Don't sit there and lie about it. That'll get me upset. Lying's not right. Your mom won't like it. Nobody will like it. Anyway, I certainly don't like it. And in those NHL playoffs, you know, I constantly say, go with the hot goalie. Go with the hot goalie. And as much as I really would like to go with Braden Hopi, I mean, the kid's putting out there a 2.04 goals against and a 9.24 save percentage. But JT knows this goalie well. Mark andre Fleury is throwing down a 1.68 goals against average, 9.47 save percentage. Now, Here's the quandary in all this. Do you take them? Do you take them? Does the NHL really allow a first-year expansion team to win it all? To win it all? Is that going to happen? I say it's going six games. I say they can't. I say Flurry doesn't keep up that goaltending. I say that there's no way that they can go ahead and say, you know what? The expansion team is better than every other team in the NHL. There's no way. Ovechkin gets what he deserves in six. Let's get this going. I want because I like I said I'm pumped tonight. I want to get JT in here. I want to get Ryan in here. I want to get Walt. I, I just want to get this going. I'm pumped. One of those nights, guys. I'm in a rare form. Let's get him in here, folks. I alluded to him earlier. My co-host and everything I do, you know him as JT Jason Townsend Fez four three seven on Twitter. I call him a friend. I call him a brother. JT, how you doing tonight, man? Jeffs are living large, man, living large, and I'm listening to what you have to say, and it's as we've talked about all season. If 
NHL fans and this particular Vegas fans don't feel that they were handed this. This in any sport have you ever seen an expansion team have this level of success? Of course, did they have to play the games? Yes. Did they have to win the games? Yes. You mentioned Mark Andre Fleury, the ex Pittsburgh Penguin. Well, you know who else is from Pennsylvania? That's Punxsutawney Phil. How long will it be before Mark Andre Fleury? sees his shadow and crawls back into the hole in which he came from because he didn't do any of this crap when he played for the Penguins. So his dreams coming to an end soon. The Caps are the team. They knocked off the champs. They got over that team that had beaten them several, several, several years of the playoffs. I think the Caps end up winning it. I think it's ridiculous that the NHL has a first-year team in the finals. I think it makes the sport look bad. And if they win the cup, I think it lessens the value of that their Stanley Cup. So I'm going Capitals in six. So you're with me on this. You think that Ovechkin finally gets what he deserves. Ovi's primed. He's playing right. He's playing great. Uh, He looks good out there. He's healthy. Uh, Holtby's on fire. And again, yeah, does Fleury have the numbers? Yes. But we've seen him play well in spurts before, and then we've seen him Mm -hmm. disappear. So I'm just waiting for the Houdini act to show its ugly head when the lights get bright. Yeah, yeah, that's how I got to be honest with you. That's how I'm seeing it. And and most of all, like I said, what kind of precedent does it set for the NHL or really any sport to have an expansion team win it all to come away with, okay, it's an expansion team and they are the best team in the league. Come on now. Well, listen, and and last thing on that. Is it coincidental that this is it coincidental that this expansion team is in Vegas of all places? Just something doesn't smell right in Gary Bettman's office. So, uh, well, we'll see what happens with that. Hey, let me tell you something, though. But if you've eaten the buffet at the MGM Grand, that's what smells good there. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's continue Grand. on. Yeah. I, I'm not, this isn't the Food Network, folks. You know what this is tonight. And I want to get Ryan right in here. I want to get Walt right in here because – this is the night we have Wool Akins on. I have been pumped all friggin' day for this. So let's get Ryan in here first. Folks, some of you uh, might remember once upon a time, I was dared by this young man to go ahead and do what he does every day. He decides to go out with sharks. He's in the water with sharks, no cage on a regular basis, and decided to challenge me to do it. And found out I was up to the challenge. Let's get him in here. Let's see if he's up to the challenge for another great edition of Fins on Fins. Ryan, how are you tonight? Good evening. I'm doing well. Uh, glad to hear you guys are so chipper and uh, ready to get Walton here. Oh, yeah. How could you not be? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> After Good you know, I posted it. I posted it on Instagram. I posted it everywhere. You know, it, it's the it's the progression that this all has taken for me personally. And every time I have interacted with Walt, I just came away with, "Wow, what a great guy!" So to finally have him here on the show now is just like, "Wow, you know." I, I couldn't be happy. I couldn't be more proud. I, I can't wait. You let me know what's going on, guys. When do you want to get him in? You want to get him let's, in here right now? Let's do it. What are you What are you waiting for? Let's get him. I was getting him here five yeah. minutes ago. Absolutely. 
Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> Folks, right. without any further ado, let's get him in here. Great guy. Number 35, Miami Dolphins. Walt Aikens. Yeah, Walt, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. How you doing? <laughs> Better than most, not as good as some. Guys, I'm going to yeah, go ahead and let you that. start off. Let's do it. So, what's up, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? Living the dream, right? I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> so good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off right now. Year five. What's different? How you feeling? Man, I'm I'm old now. I'm <laughs> nah, but really, <laughs> I feel like I'm a a, a seasoned vet now. I, I know what's going on. Um, like you say, year five. You know. It's, it's another go-round, another shot at, at trying to make things work this year. I love it. I love it. You're fine for me, you too, know. remember? <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> Just, uh, J- JT, what's up? JT, what's your next question? Well, how's it going? JT here. What's Listen, up, brother, JT? I got I to gotta ask you, bud. I look at that locker room, a lifelong Dolphins fan here talking to you. I look at that locker room this year, and I see – some lunch pail type of veterans like Frank Gore, Josh Sitton. What do you, what do you feel different in that locker room this year that maybe we haven't or you haven't felt in the past about your locker room? Um, I mean, like you said, we got a great group of vets um, that are here trying to teach these young guys and get everybody on the same page. And right now, we all have that mindset to, to go in and work every day. We're not complaining about nothing. We're, we're getting in and and putting in the hours to, to be successful. Nice, nice. You know, this is Jester here, uh, Walt, and I, I'm in a bunch of chat groups, and one of them is a very passionate, and I do mean, I'm shocked. I'm originally from New Jersey, and I thought up there they had some passionate fans. Them Finns fans, yeah. boy, let me tell you. They can be brutal, too. And they're all over Ryan in this group. And I stick up for Ryan. Uh, I believe that once he's gotten into the system now, he's, he's in his uh, third year in the system and and having some continuity at wide receiver, a good offensive line, uh, that we're going to see a lot out of him. My question to you is, uh, why don't you tell the guys in this group, why should we believe in Ryan Tannehill. What have you seen that makes you believe he's the guy that can get you there? Um, he's a smart guy. You know, uh, he's a dual-threat quarterback, which is what a lot of people don't see. Ryan can actually run, and he runs well. And, um, I mean, we, we back him up. We have the utmost confidence in him. Our coaches back him up. We, we keep him in the game, and he gets fired up, and that gets us fired up. So we're sticking with Tan. Nice, nice. Now, let me just follow that up real quick with you. What? Oh, now, because you have been there. What is the one thing that maybe you've seen that he has improved on from when he first got there? Um, I would say passing the ball down the field. Like, Ryan took some shots last year, and I was like, yeah, I like that out of you. And even if we didn't complete it, I, the fact that he took those shots, I see that He's understanding the game, and, and he's going for it. He wants to win. We want to win, and that's why he's our quarterback. Nice. A little bit more gunslinging. Yeah. 
Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Brian, go so, ahead. Continue uh, on. Back, back to me. So most of the people that follow me know that uh, you have a connection with my son, Koa, and that's probably yeah, sure. one, of, one of the things that blossomed our relationship. Uh, yeah. So what, what would you tell anybody that, obviously, Koa's a little young to understand. He loves the game, but as long as we keep him around, guys like you, he's going to keep loving it. What is your one piece of advice that you can pass down to somebody that's just trying to live their dream? Uh, I would say go for it, man. And uh, if you really want to do something, you always got to think about it like this. You got to be better than the next man. There's always somebody coming and trying to take your job. So you go out there and put your heart on the line. You put your heart on the line, you go out there and ball out, give it everything you got, you'll be successful in anything, anything you do. And speaking of core, man, I was just talking about this the other day with my parents because, you know, we, we keep the Facebook pictures and all that stuff going on. I feel like I want yeah. to grow up from a baby, man. It's crazy. You have, too. Like, it's, it's wild now. Man. Like, hearing him, like, say your name and freaking watching football. Exactly. And hearing him say fumble and tackle. It's like, oh, my <laughs> God, what did we do? <laughs> what did crazy. we do? So, yeah, I can't wait. Training camp will be down in, what, five weeks when I'm healed. And uh, just to see the difference in his interpretation of the game has been so rewarding. Definitely. And you're, you're the reason. So, uh, you know I, I appreciate you and thank you all the time, but, you know, thank you again for making us family and, and giving us the opportunity nice. to watch him grow up on the field. Nice. So, Man, thank you for inviting me into your family, really. Uh, Good guy. Hey, it ain't Good over. Guy. It's only the beginning. Almost <laughs> done. All well, right. Can I you, you, got one, you got one more? Oh, yeah, I got got Of course. Got Will Aikens here. I got all kinds of stuff for him. So, looking at this, you're in the NFL now, man. You've got world-class athletes, and you're part of that fraternity. Guys, you're playing against. You're playing against quarterbacks like Brady, Roethlisberger, those kind of guys. So, which quarterback have you played against where you guys just knew that you had some wrinkle in there that he wasn't going to be prepared for, and then you get out in the game, and it's like he studied everything. He's ready for everything you threw at him. Who's that guy? Oh, that, that'll always be Brady. I, I'm pretty sure you asked the majority of the guys in the league. <laughs> they would say Brady as well or, or someone like Aaron Rodgers. But they study the game so much, and no matter what you do, they they always have a comeback for something. I mean, you might surprise them every now and then, but those guys are, are seasoned vets and really study the game and understand the game. So whenever you can get one up on a quarterback like that, it's a great feeling. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, nice. Just to follow that up real quick. So, yeah, uh, for those people out there that hate on Mr. Brady, I, I guess he actually has gotten there through hard work is what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Hard work and studying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, what I'm it's gonna like do school is... all over again. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Listen, well, I'm gonna go ahead. I've got some fun rapid fire stuff for you, and then I gotta, I've gotta ask you the question I ask all the guests. But first, uh, more satisfying, an interception or an open field tackle on a return? Interception by far. Tougher to cover in practice, Devontae Parker or Kenny Stills? Depends on how you feel that day. <laughs> NFL City other than South Beach that has the best club. Uh, 
see. Oh, Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. Who's crazier? Who's crazier? Ryan Walton diving with sharks or Luke Aikens, no relation, obviously, diving out of a plane with no parachute? Ryan Walton. Forget that, man. You can't control no sharks. But, yeah, Ryan is crazy. Ryan is – the stuff he does with these sharks, man, he treats them like – Little kids or puppies or it's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so okay, uh, which would you it. rather do? Dive with sharks with Ryan Walton or have to cover Gronkowski? Hmm. <laughs> I like the shark diving, but man, Gronk, I love that challenge. Nice. I might have nice. to take Gronk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then lastly, I always ask everybody this Walt. Favorite funny story that you can share with us from the team that allow me to still be on air next week. <laughs> oh, a funny story? Yeah. Oh, my, my boy Bobby McCain. Um, what have he got a peek in the game or something? Made a big tackle, and Xavier Howard came up and and smacked him on the butt during the game, and Bobby flew like five yards, and we didn't let him live that down the entire year. That mess was so funny. It was a meme and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Great stuff. I want to – I'll personally thank you, man, and you know it. I'll I'll see you out there in about a month when I'm all healed up, and I can't wait to see what's going on out there this year. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and taking this time tonight. We we all appreciate it. And fins up. Thank you all for having me. Fins up. Yeah, no doubt, Walt, no doubt. Hey, Walt, before you go, I've got a question for you. I'm going to be coming down to Tampa in a couple of weeks to come see you guys. I want to bring a couple of footballs uh, to have signed for Make-A-Wish. You mind making time and uh, signing one for me? Sounds good to me. Sounds good, my man. I'll see you down there. Thanks so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Fins up, my man. No problem. Fins up. All right. Later, bro. Folks, that was Walt Aikens on the show. Some good stuff. And uh, to continue on now, fins on fins. Guys, Ryan, JT, let me ask you, how are you guys feeling about your season? As we get closer, you talk to Walt, you hear, he sounds ultra positive about it. Ryan, you've talked to Kenny, you've talked to a couple of other guys on the team. Everybody has this sense of uh, real excitement about this year, probably more than any time in your five years. Is that accurate? I'm I'm saying so. I mean, with Ryan coming back, everybody that believes in him sees the opportunity now that they had last year taken away from them. And that's the best way it's been worded to me by players. Is that And, and it's crazy that they're saying it because, you know, Jay Cutler was a, a pro quarterback, uh, you know. He, he, he had it for a while. But everybody knew last year that when Ryan went down, when their starting quarterback went down, there was no replacing Ryan, especially with two, three weeks to go until the regular season. So I right. think the excitement the, there. Go ahead, JT. Well, well, and, and the, just to piggyback what you're saying, all these Dolphin fans, and I forget the guy we had called in last year that wanted to complain about Ryan Tannehill before the season, Jester. I know you don't remember the guy I'm talking about, but all you Dolphin fans that want to – 
you know, complain about Ryan Tannehill. You saw exactly what we missed last year when we didn't have that guy on the field. And you're going to see a guy that's ready to play, gives 100%, and gives us our best chance to win back this year. I'm excited as a Dolphins fan myself. So, last well, year, can I, game, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. There was one thing I just wanted to throw out there, uh, and some, uh, uh, you know, call me crazy. It is a fantasy show, and I happen to be into those silly things like stats. For those people out there talking about how uh, what the capability is of Ryan Tannehill over the last eight games of the last season he played, Ryan Tannehill had a QBR of. 100.3. That was good. That was good for seventh in the league over those over that period. So for those of you wondering what he can do, what he can do obviously and will show this year after a year of watching it on the sidelines, if you come out with okay, he does no better than how he ended the season. You're still talking about a guy who was good for seventh best in the league potential. That's what yeah. his teammates right. see. That's what guys like Walt Aiken see in camp. And, yeah, I mean, guys, you have to say, I mean, both of you follow the team hardcore. What Walt said just nailed it. You want to see him chuck it a little bit more, a little bit more gunsling. Hit I mean, people. It's a freaking deep ball, yeah, and that's, well, that's and one we, of the big things that everybody talked about. And right. the coaches held him back. The uh, the schemes, the I changed the playbook three times in four years. I mean, all of that was holding Ryan back. And finally, last year, it was let's take these handcuffs off and let the man sling the ball. And the couple training camps I got to go to and watch before the before he went down, it was like, oh my god, yeah, he's on fire. He was hitting up. And uh, and then all of a sudden we're all sitting there like, um, what do we do? You know, so everything's been structured around Ryan. And that offensive line, the drama there for the last couple of years, this is the most mature offensive line that he has had in front of him in his career. By far well, let me just, the most mature. By far. And a guy like Sitton's going to make Tunsil better and so on and so on. But let me throw one thing yeah. out here. You know, Jester, I have been known to have an opinion or two on this show. So I'm going to take, this is my opinion. This isn't Ryan Walton's opinion. This isn't the gesture's opinion. I got one thing to say to Juice Landry, the Mr. I-can-do-everything out there, the Mr. Greatest Receiver in the NFL. Dude, I want to come join you in Never Neverland sometime, by the way. You know, you're the greatest route runner. You do this, you do that. But what you didn't mention in your tweet is you run your mouth. You cause problems. You quit on plays. Good riddance. Enjoy Cleveland. Have a nice life. Yeah, there's I mean, a reason there's, there's why. Four names. Well, and there's a reason if why. Bills any day of the week. There's a reason why Miami jettisoned the guy. Everybody goes, well, they yeah. only got a fourth round pick. That's because Miami couldn't get rid of him fast enough, folks. They were happy with that. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, give me I mean, that was Stills. definitely the case. You know. Let I me ask you something. What's that? Go ahead, go ahead, finish. I was a couple times I was outside the locker room, and I recall one day specifically, and I was standing with another player, and uh, 
my son was with me. And, again, we just discussed how some of the players interact with him. And um, as everybody did in the stadium the last couple of years, we yelled juice. So my son caught on to that. And I just remember a day where they won. But Jarvis was upset about personal numbers, personal feats. And he walked out of that building just pissy, really, really pissy. And you could tell people asking to take pictures and all that. I mean, we're all human. Okay, let's disclaimer that. We're all human. But this man had just won. And if he was a team player, then the personal feats wouldn't have mattered and the attitude would have changed. And you could just see in, in his tone and his, in his demeanor walking out of the building that he wasn't happy because he didn't catch the ball enough times. And it didn't matter yeah. if the team won. And that's what oh, the team was hey, trying Jack to get Claire. rid of. Players that don't want individual accolades, they want to win. And that's where Miami's at, you know, guys like Jay Ajayi, personal accolades. And guess what? Kenyon Drake's down the backfield with a great mentor and a former U player. So, Ooh. good. They cleaned house and, and they brought in maturity. <laughs> yes. Nice. You know, taking a look at that as we go ahead and we talk about how Tannehill was doing and that, you know, hey, listen, over that last season, there were a half a dozen games that he threw for over 70 percent in the game those are great numbers folks i hate to really tell people but my question to jt right now first and then i want to ask ryan is more fantasy based who do you believe is the guy that's going to step up in the miami wide receiver core as the Tannehill go-to guy jt go ahead and hit that first well, you know, I've been following Devontae Parker on Twitter, and he's you know, talking about how he's in shape and ready to go, and I'm excited to see what we're going to get from Devontae. But the guy I want to talk about is the guy I was chirping about a minute ago, Kenny Stills. Look what this guy did with less reps. Now, you figure he's the guy that's going to slide into, into Jarvis's, into his reps, basically. And this is a guy that can beat you deep. He can beat you, in, he can beat you across the middle. He can beat you short routes. The guy has special ability and special speed, and this is a guy that I think fantasy players, you better get, you better get on this guy quick because I think he's going for double-digit touchdowns, and he will go over 1,000 yards. So Kenny Stills is my pick to click Hawking Wimpy, if you don't mind me borrowing that one. Yeah, nice. What about you, Ryan? What are you thinking on this one? It's funny that was your answer, and I'm going to go elsewhere just because of your answer, but when I asked Kenny – that exact exact same question, who steps up, he said me. So I'm going to go ahead and move away from Kenny because I know he plans on being the one to step up. And based on what we've seen in OTAs for the first three days, Danny Amendola is getting that ball driven to him from Ryan. So I believe <laughs> Danny is going to see a lot of attention. Uh, Albert Wilson's a flyer too. He's going to be more of that. I think you said it, Joe, the dog mentality. Um, so I'm curious to see how they utilize Grant and, and Wilson as two very similar players. But I already see Danny Amendola uh, really fitting into the third down role. The, if we remember Devon Best before uh, Jarvis oh, Landry yeah. just being that third down gem, and then Jarvis kind of took that to the next level, Danny's here to give us that uh, intensity on third down and then some. Um, and then look out for Isaiah Ford. I keep saying it. I see Isaiah yes. Ford being somebody to look he's at. Maybe he's not going to be. Yeah, there's just a lot of depth right now on the chart. So he's got a lot of people in front of him. But there's a couple of years left on that rookie deal. So let's see what he starts to do this year. 
Jester, can I uh, throw a follow-up at Ryan on that? So, yeah. Ryan, who do you see as the guy that steps into that punt return? Because, you know, Jarvis used a lot of punt returns, especially in crunch time. Do we see Jakeem Grant maybe taking punt returns and kickoff returns? Um, I don't know. Albert Wilson's back there for that, too. So, with the way those two are going to split time, I don't see how they don't rotate Wilson and Grant back there. Nice. A lot of speed there. A lot of speed. Yeah, and between the two, you can keep them fresh. Right. Jesser? So, yeah, I think there's going to be a really big rotation there. Between the receivers and those two spots, you're going to see a lot of rotating this year. Yeah, that was something that I thought that we had uh, covered when we were talking between us, is that the idea that going to see a lot of just moving the ball to there's not going to be one specific leader in in the receiving core or at running back they're, they're going to really rotate the ball around there as well trying to do more of a new england style if you will just spread that ball around because they can with that draft, I'm telling you, it gives them a tight end now that they can go ahead and rely on. Uh, there's a lot of parts that like just that. are coming together nicely for this team. And uh, just a great job, guys. Great job, as always, on this. Ryan, uh, I guess uh, I guess you uh, are second to having to face Gronk. Not bad. I, I can't. You'd rather face Gronk. No, I mean, I- I mean, he said he's up for a challenge, and shark diving wasn't as much of a challenge, I guess. It's more relaxing. So I'll take that answer because that means my point is proven. You're doing your job. I'm doing my Everybody job. Everybody has a so good time. Good, you know? is there, <laughs> uh, there really hasn't been anybody, whether it was Kenny uh, or, or myself or, you know, hey, listen, Shannon Crowder even. A bunch of guys that you yeah. go out there with. That listen, listen. You challenged me, okay? Everybody was like, "Ooh, thought I wasn't gonna do it. Thought I was gonna back out." I did it, and uh, we had a great time that day. That was funny as hell. Hell yeah, Ryan. Well, great job as always. That's that your next challenge oh, when you come. Good. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I'm going out with Ryan. I believe me. After talking, you know, talking to this guy for a couple years. Looking at what he does and listening to what he has to say, I'm going on. Yeah, no doubt. Next time I'm out, I'm looking. Yep. <laughs> it is educate. It's weird because what Ryan does is this. It is educational and it is the it is an incredible adrenaline rush all at the same time. It really is. It, it's just a nice. great time, folks. If you are ever in the state of Florida, look up. Ryan Walton, go out with this dude. Go have a blast. Ryan, we'll see you next month as always. Great job. Thanks, my friend. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thank you. Heal up, Ryan. Heal up, man. All right. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, heal up, Bye-bye. brother. Bye-bye. Yeah, we're, we're wishing Ryan all the best. He's going in for uh, surgery in a week, and uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Oh, folks, I'll tell you, that was that was absolutely fantastic. You know, and it's funny because right now I have to pay some bills, and while we're in Miami, we'll stay with Miami. Miami Sunglasses. Whether you are starting a small business, hosting a fundraiser, or have had a store for years, Miami Sunglasses is your direct source for quality wholesale sunglasses at the best prices. 
With over 800 styles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check out their low prices today. That's Miami Sunglasses. Miami Sunglasses, I'll tell you, they they have taken care of the jester. And if you take a look at some of the pictures there, if you're listening in on Blog Talk Radio, you can watch the pictures go by, see some of the different jester looks. And I have a pair of glasses for every color combination now in the world. They are fantastic in I don't know how many different styles. And, folks, let me tell you, if, if you want to go ahead and stock up on them, go ahead, start your own small business. This is the way to go. They set you up nice. They answer all your questions. They get you started. Miami Sunglasses, fantastic people to deal with. I love those guys. JT, we'll be getting yours to you. I'll be seeing Tate this week. He's in Orlando. Great. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting to get, I'm waiting to get my pair. Spread the wealth, Jester. So, you know, I'm waiting for that. Well, yeah. I've got, a matter of fact, I've got a bunch of pairs. i got a whole box coming to you guys. So, going to get yeah, them better. to you. You know. You and, and the whole Dello family will be sporting them. That's the way it should be, man. That's the way it should be. Real quick, got to say one last thing on Walt Aikens. Can yeah. you not feel that guy's energy? coming through that phone or coming, you know, coming across that radio wave. I don't know. I'm just sitting here and I can feel that man's energy. Like he was ready to get out there and hit somebody right now. Uh, as a Dolphins fan, you got to like that kind of heart and passion coming from a player. So I'm sorry. He's got me psyched up already. And we're not even in June yet. It's interesting in this. You, you nailed it on the head because that is the second player that I've personally now had a chance to talk to. I've talked to a couple of alum now, and everybody in the whole organization is that way. They are very excited. You got to understand, if you're not a Tannehill hater and you look at this team, there's a reason to be excited. Now, for all those Tannehill haters, go back and look at how he finished his last season. Mm-hmm. Right. And one last thought on that. Stephen Ross, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, dude, you finally got it right. You didn't just keep changing coaches and changing this. You finally are letting your coach run his team. Would would you have been on board five years ago, Mr. Ross, with getting rid of guys like Sue and Pouncey and Landry and Ajayi? Absolutely not you would have. But you finally said, we brought this guy in to do a job, I'm going to sit down, shut up, and let my football people handle things, and look what happened. Kudos to you, Stephen Ross. You finally gave us a chip in the game. It's going to be a nice chip. It's going to be a fun year for the Dolphin fans out there. Folks, uh, I know there's the rest of the United States. We're going to be getting there shortly with the NBA playoffs. And I say shortly because, as I mentioned at the beginning, today did start the auction for the your Tampa Bay Lightning jersey signed by 2012 first-round draft choice Slater Cuckoo, excellent defenseman, young defenseman. And this is your opportunity to own it and help make a wish. That's right. If you go on the eBay site, everybody knows eBay, and you go put in the little search area, Fantasy Jester Sports. Really that simple. Fantasy Jester Sports, that's the new place now for all our auctions for Make-A-Wish. 
And you can go on there. The auction is for one week. Good luck. I'll be putting it up there. Um, I The last time I looked, it was uh, just starting and somebody had already popped in a $25 bid. I have already said I'm going to be pushing that baby up to 100 We're going to see how high we can get this, folks. It is for Make-A-Wish and 100% of the proceeds go to this. And if you have trouble finding it, I've made it even easier for you. FantasyJesterSports.com. There's an article up there with the link for the jersey. Good luck to all. May the best person win and in it at the end, the winners will be Make-A-Wish. Thank you so much for all of you out there that are going to help on this. NBA playoffs, JT. No Kevin Love. No well, Kevin Love. No, no Kevin Love. The dis, you know famous disappearing man, the Vanisher. If he were in Deadpool too, uh, yeah. Where are you at, Kevin? You know, obviously you're not in Minnesota anymore. You're lucky LeBron James can carry your team and drop 46 points to keep you guys alive and force that game seven. You know, I saw an interesting st- statistic. I don't know if it was over the last so many games or if it was just a playoff thing, but something where Boston's 10 and 0 at home. And like one in seven or one in eight on the road. Well, Jester, can you tell me where this next game's going to be played at? <laughs> because uh, I think that's all they need. I think I think Boston is uh, yeah. Boston's primed and ready to roll. I'm looking yeah. for them to take it in Game Seven. LeBron, and again, I've been on this show many times. I am not a LeBron fan in any way, shape, or form. I respect his game. But, mm-hmm, man, if mm-hmm. you, the, the amount of energy that dude put out to get them there, I think uh, I think that tank's on empty. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, a show or two ago, it was uh, actually last show, uh, I had said exactly that, that when they were poor, pushed to the uh, brink of elimination, LeBron would win one right there at the brink. He'd mm-hmm. push it himself. And now, again – I said game seven. We're getting game seven. Going to be interesting. Uh, and at the other end, I did say Houston. So we're still in play here, folks, for the finals. Uh, the time when I start nailing the NBA, they better help help the NBA because it's become way too predictable then if I'm starting to nail this shit. Honestly. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Houston up three to two. Houston up three to two in their series. Houston looks like the better team. I mean, I never mm-hmm. thought I'd say that with a team that has James Harden on it. it is you know the availability of CP3 for the next game. Uh, I haven't heard a definite on on his health yet, but quite honestly, I don't think it matters. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. starting to look like guys on Golden State are pointing fingers. You know, you're starting mm-hmm. to see some uh, unhappy faces when uh, shots go up and the ball's not moving around. It just seems like they're starting to force it a little bit. Maybe they're uh, you know starting to feel a little bit of that pressure. So mm-hmm. I think this is Houston's the win. And to be honest, what a refreshing thing it would be to see a Rockets-Celtics final as opposed to Cleveland-Golden State. So uh, I'm hoping for a Rockets win. I think this is where they end it here in six. Jester, what do you got there? You know, let me uh... – let, let me just uh, point something out to you. You would have to live then with me being correct on basketball finals. 
Oh, sunshine on the dog's ass every now and again. So Ain't I'm, that the truth? You know. <laughs> Listen, folks, you gotta you gotta understand, folks. Okay, obviously, when you cover four sports and you play four sports in fantasy sports, obviously there's got to be a strong sport and a weak sport. Basketball is my uh-huh. weak sport. I'm not afraid. You know, I mean, obviously, there's got to be well, one that's the lowest and the one that's the highest. Yeah, it is. It is backwards day because I did tell you the Caps were going to eliminate the Lightning. So, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways, it's backwards day. Isn't it? So. Isn't it, though? How are you nailing hockey and I'm getting basketball? <laughs> Things are weird around here, folks. Things are real weird. We're going to get ready for in a minute for the crop report. But first, we have a couple of really good announcements. You know, a lot of you folks have been following us from the beginning, and thank you so much for the support. We are really grateful for it. You know, I, I've mentioned it before, and I'll say it again, you know, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to wrap my life in sports the way I do each and every day. So thank you very much. And I feel I owe it to let you all know what JT and I have planned for you all in this year three as we continue uh, marching forward and building on to this. The new studio and video portion of what we're going to bring you, the podcast, is going to be not just a radio show any longer it is going to move into the video podcast uh, portion and uh, we're building the studio for it little by little. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I'm in no hurry. Uh, I want to make sure it's right before I bring it rather than hurry into it and have problems and still learning as I'm doing it and all that. And I don't want to bring it to everybody like that. I want to bring it nice. I have a certain uh, studio set up that we're going to have. I've already got it all designed. It's going to be great. I hope you all enjoy it. We're working really hard on it. And, and we're excited to bring that all to you. You know, um, we're also looking at bringing in JT into the studio live once a month so that we can go ahead and bring you that video production of a JT and I produced uh, podcast with, uh, you know, video portion. And this is all going to be on the YouTube channel that we are currently building. I've mentioned it before. And oh, that's where this is all going to head to is uh, we continue to move on year three. We've got a couple of other irons in the fire that I'm not at liberty to discuss. And trust me, the minute they, I can, I will, you'll hear it everywhere. Um, and then finally, in a month, as this all comes together, and the changes keep occurring. Uh, we are looking for about a month from now for all of this. And in that will be regular articles now by myself on fantasyjestersports.com. Uh, I've gone ahead and gotten things set up to have the extra writers and myself on a regular basis as well on there. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Kid Kelly continues to keep Typing away. I chime in every once in a while. We've had Jordan Swafford go ahead and fill in every once in a while, a couple of articles. We had a couple of people fill in every once in a while. And uh, we'll continue to get that to grow for everybody as we continue to do everything that we can to bring you the very best in all your sports. And as I talk about that, JT, I have to say the reaction to the crop report with you and okay. Tate has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I know I've told you basically how it's doing and the reaction, but 
folks, uh, these guys knock it out of the park, and I am ready. Let's go ahead. Let's get things started, and uh, let's get friend of the show uh, in here, too. Hi, this is Jim Rosenhouse with the Cleveland Indians, and you are listening to the Fantasy Jester. Billy Bob Jester here, folks, and boy, let me tell you something. It's time for that there crop report, and I'm happier than a pig on the farm to bring them there, fellas, JT and Tate. <laughs> you know, folks, much like the Shredder on MLB Network, everybody thinks that's Brian Kenny. There are people convinced that that is me. No, it's a long-lost cousin that isn't lost enough, who isn't lost, and thank God for it, are the next two guys I'm going to bring you tonight. It is an incredibly fast-growing segment. People are enjoying this. Without any further ado, let's get him in here. The one, the only, Tate Devo. Tate, how's it going tonight? Hey, Jester, doing well. How about you tonight? Ah, oh, man, great as always, great as always. Go ahead, you guys go, kick us off. Let's get this crop report going. Okay, well, thank you guys for uh, tuning in for this uh, next edition here of the crop report tonight. Uh, I'm going to start off today with a guy by the name of Bo, Bridge, Bo Burrows, a uh, two, 200-pound pitcher, right-handed pitcher in the Tigers organization. He's 21 years old. He's currently pitching at double-A Erie Seawolves in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, this year he is started seven games. He's 5-2 and two record with a 2.21 ERA in 36.2 innings. Burroughs has given up 26 hits, 11 runs, nine of them earned, only two home runs, and 14 walks, 29 strikeouts. That puts him with a 1.09 whip, a 206 opponent batting average against. Uh, the thing I like about Burroughs is we've seen improvement from last year to this year. He's not a huge, gigantic strikeout guy, as seen his his career numbers in the minors so far. He's 64 games, 62 starts, 22 and 13. He's got a 291 ERA, so he's improved on that this year so far. Uh, he's got only one complete game but he's still a young young guy. He's 21, like I said, and he's uh, still building up the arm with the innings. 296.2 total innings over his four years in the minors so far. And he has got a 235 opponent batting average against, 99 walks, 266 strikeouts. So not a huge, gigantic strikeout guy, but he's got good stuff. Uh, the, the Tigers like him. He's rated their number four prospect in their organization. He comes with a uh, mid to upper 90s fastball, a uh, four-seamer and a two-seamer, a changeup and a curve. He's hit as high as 98 on the gun, but uh, generally features mid to, mid to upper 90s on the uh, fastball there. But uh, he's he's been really working on mixing in his breaking stuff, really working on that changeup and the curve in the minors this year. And uh, it started to show you, like I said, you see the improvement the 291 career ERA, and this year so far he's at the 2.21 in 36 innings. So uh, he's working his way up. Uh, he's rated with the uh, grading the grading service that, that we've talked about in the past on the scale of the high. He's got a 55 overall rating. So uh, this is a guy probably possibility of this year late 
coming up, depending on what the uh, the Tigers do with their rotation. But a guy I probably see as someone that may come in if the Tigers start trading off pitchers like they did late last year. But uh, probably a guy we'll see move up to AAA later this season and make his debut in the majors sometime next year. But uh, Bo Burrow is definitely someone to keep an eye on. JT, over to you. But are you talking about Bo Burrows? You're talking about Detroit Tigers pitching. Let's stick in the AL Central. Let's look at Minnesota Twins farmhand Steven Gonzalez. Uh, pitches for the Rochester Red Wings right now. He is in AAA. Left-handed pitcher, big, tall guy, six foot five, 213 pounds. Let's be honest. The kid uses a combination of pitchability and deception. This is what allows him to miss bats. His stuff is solid to average. I like his fastball. He's got a nice curveball. His changeup, though, has a lot of late movement, something that I think will definitely allow him to be a middle-of-the-rotation guy once he does get to the show. We're looking at a guy this year who started out in double-A, pitched 20 innings. He's pitched 21 innings now in triple-A. So for the season, 41.2 innings, a 1.01 whip, which is something I know that the gesture will like. We're looking at a 6-1 and one record combined with a combined 2.38 ERA. So we got a guy that knows how to miss bats. we got a guy that knows how to use deception. You don't have to be a Roldis Chapman 100-plus miles per hour to succeed in the major leagues. Go back and look at a guy like Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin. These guys weren't fireballers. These were guys that knew how to control their pitches, use deception by not tipping their pitches when they come out of their hand, you Darvish. This is a guy I think could be up soon this year. I'm guessing by the all-star break, this is a guy I know the Twins want to get a look at. This is a guy that does have, again, a ceiling of around a middle-to-rotation guy, a guy that can help you across the board in your fantasy leagues. You know, the thing I like about this guy as well, Tate, when you look at some of the big games he's played in, the guy can reach back and get a couple extra miles per hour on that fastball when he needs it. But the deception and the pitch is what I like. Don't know what's coming out of his hand. And we talked about it last week on the crop report. The Jester brought it up. Guys that have that late break or that late movement tend to be someone you want to keep an eye on, which is why this kid has several more strikeouts than innings pitch. I'm looking at a guy at 52 Ks to only 41 innings. So you're not looking at a fireballer, but a guy that knows how to mix his pitches up. Steven Gonzalez, a guy to keep your eyes on and keep him on him soon because I think we'll see him by middle of July. Nice. Cool. I like, I like Gonzalez as well, uh, and I agree. I do think he's somebody that we'll probably see sooner rather than later. Uh, speaking of him, he is actually – Gonzalez is the number three prospect in the Twins organization, and sticking in that same AL Central and with the Twins, I'm going to talk about the next guy is Nick Gordon. He's the Twins' number four prospect in their organization, right behind Gonzalez. Uh, Nick Gordon, somebody you may have heard of. He's a couple guys that have played, uh, providing a pedigree for him. His dad, Tom Gordon, former MLB pitcher, and his his brother, his older brother, D. Gordon, currently in the majors, playing with Seattle. So uh, keep an eye on on Nick Gordon. He's 22 years old. He's currently listed as a shortstop in the Twins organization, but he's played second base as well. Uh, probably blocked at second in the Twins organization right now with this guy Brian Dozier playing there, but uh, more likely to be playing shortstop in in the majors 
coming up with the Twins and until Dozier moves on somewhere else. But uh, don't see that happening anytime necessarily this year or next. But uh, Gordon, I would think, is a guy to keep an eye on sooner rather than later as well. Uh, he's currently in double A. He spent all of last season in double A as well. So uh, as we've talked about in the past, kind of the, the batters have been moving up to the majors from the double A level and skipping the triple A level. Nick Gordon here is another one of those guys I see possibly probably doing something like that after spending all of last year in double A. So uh, let's talk some numbers real quick. He's currently batting in double A with Chattanooga lookouts. And this year he's played in 41 games, 157 at bats. He's got 52 hits, 10 for doubles, three for triples, four home runs, 19 RBIs, 21 runs scored, 11 walks, 26 strikeouts, seven stolen bases. That puts him at a 331 batting average, a 381 on base percentage, 510 slugging, and an 890 OPS. So it's all pretty good numbers for him. I can tell you in his time over the last couple of years in the minors and his entire season last year at AA, he played 122 games. He batted 270. So we're already seeing the improvement from a 270 batting average last year for the entire season in AA to 331 this year. Uh, he had nine home runs, eight triples, 29 doubles in 140 hits last year, scored 80 runs, 66 RBIs. The big thing with him, 53 walks, 134 strikeouts. So he had a very high strikeout percentage last year. Uh, as we've seen, as I mentioned, his strikeouts this year is only 26 in, in uh, 157 at-bats. So it looks like he's figured that out and has cut that down a lot. And that could could be the next step to help him take that step up to the major leagues. I, another interesting note with uh, Gordon is he bats left-handed and throws right-handed. But uh, like I said, he is the Twins' number four ranked prospect. And his uh, scouting grade, they've got him rated as a 55 with a 55 on the hitting, a 40 for power. So not a big home run guy, but he still can hit the ball out every once in a while. Very similar to his brother, Uh He's got a 50 for the running, 55 for an arm, and a 55 for fielding. Puts him at the 55 overall. So Nick Gordon, like I said, similar to his brother D, but I think Nick Gordon, somebody the Twins may call up sooner rather than later, maybe an injury away from uh, him coming up and getting some playing time with the big league club. But definitely by September this year, getting a shot to come up and see what he's got. JT? You need yeah, you're talking about bats. I want to go down to Houston, look at a guy named Jordan Alvarez. Okay, this kid was picked up from the Dodgers a couple years ago in a non-waiver trade deadline deal for Josh Fields. The same Josh Fields that had a 6.89 ERA at the time of that trade. A lot of people may look back at this trade and think, what were the Dodgers doing at that point? We're looking at a kid six foot five, 225 pounds, left-handed hitter, plays the outfield. I think a natural position to him is left field, uh, but he also plays on first base, and he seems to handle both fairly well. This is the same Jordan Alvarez that was a, is a Cuban defector, signed a $2 million deal with the Dodgers, and then they traded him a month later. You think back to some of the other Cuban players, the Yoan Moncadas, the Uleski Gurriels, you know, the Cuban players have turned out to handle themselves fairly well when it comes to the major leagues. This is a kid that 
some experts say you won't see until 2020. Well, those same experts are the ones that said we wouldn't see the guy we're going to talk about a little later, Mr. Soto, Juan Soto. We wouldn't see him until summer of 2019. Well, at the time of this uh, broadcast, you'll see he went two for three in his first game with a three-run homer to start off. So the experts aren't always right. Let's talk about Mr. Alvarez. Got a guy that has sneaky speed. If you look at his speed rating, it's only a 45. But if you watch his kid run the bases, once he gets going, he moves fairly well, which is unusual for a guy his size. 55-hit tool, which is above average. 55-power tool, which is above average. You look at him so far, he's on the DL currently right now, but he's playing down at Corpus Christi, 27 games, 107 at-bats, 32 hits, 6 home runs, 26 RBIs. He's batting at a 299 clip. I think this is a guy you could see sometime next year, May or June. The Astros just cut John Singleton, longtime top first base prospect, finally parted ways with this guy. I think that moves Alvarez up a clip. I think that Alvarez is a guy that you could see play some first base, play some DH for the Astros. And, again, they may try to work him in the corner outfields. But I like what I've seen from him so far. Someone for you long-term dynasty to keep an eye on someone to pay attention to again a big kid that does have some good power and a really nice left-handed swing sweet compact and to the point so Jordan Alvarez is somebody to not only watch but pay attention to this kid's career because I expect big things from him hopefully we'll see him soon nice great stuff guys great stuff and what I want to do is I want to go over each one for everybody go ahead give you a little bit of what I have and then ask the guys a question or uh, have them give some more commentary based on uh, what I've had to say. As far as Burroughs goes, you know, Tate, I really do like the uh, former first rounder from this standpoint. Again, you alluded to a decent K per nine, not amazing, but really good control. What I like is he has good life down in the zone. That, that's something that, you know, be, if you're not going to have that great late movement, at least be keeping it down in the zone. And he's got some good life down in the zone. Um, you know, you mentioned his tools, a 60 fastball, a 55 curve, 50 change, 50 uh, control, 55 overall. It, it, a decent guy, not necessarily an ace. Uh, where do you see him in the rotation, uh, uh, moving forward for the Tigers. Do you see him as like a maybe a number two guy, even maybe a number three? I would think his his uh, high high side would be a number two. I see, depending on, on when and what opportunity he gets, probably more like a three or four, at least to start off and work his way up to being that two or a high three. But definitely not an ace type of guy with the stuff that he's got. But like I said, he's that's why he's still in double A. That's what why he's working on it. He's got that nice mm-hmm. fastball, like I said, and he's mm-hmm. learning and mixing in the change up the curve, trying to work on those pitches to have a better mix there so that he does get the opportunity and he's ready when he gets it. But like I said, I do think he uh slots in more as like a high two, probably more like a three. Does he get a cup of coffee uh in September to come on up and see what he can do i would think that's a very good possibility this year uh it's probably more dependent on like i said earlier more so on either injuries 
or more likely with the Tigers if they just decide, yeah, we don't have a chance, and they start trading players off like they did last year with guys like Verlander, et cetera. So right. if if they do that again this year and decide to sell out and be sellers at the trade deadline or after the trade deadline, a la Verlander last year, then definitely Burroughs gets the call up and gets a look-see at the major league level, see what he's got, let him let him get a taste as well as give the Tigers an idea of what they're working with and whether he's got a possibility of making the starting rotation next year. So Nice. Nice. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, I want to keep going on and moving on to the picture that uh, JT gave, and you were mentioning injuries uh, for the Tigers. I think that has to play in on the opportunity to be able to see Gonsalves uh, mid-July like, JT was talking about. You got a great guy. I mean, he is he's a big guy, six five, like JT alluded to. He's played on twelve teams in five years, and his numbers have stayed the same, folks. He's not really phased about the surroundings. He has stayed and maintained those numbers through all those teams over the years. And you've got a guy like JT alluded to again. Big on control. I like the idea that his control tools at a 55, this early, this early, he's got right. that kind of control. Uh, I definitely like that. Uh, and when your changeup is rated higher than your fastball, and you still can maintain a high control number, uh, that just that's uh, incredible, and especially for a big guy, six five guy, you're talking about a big frame having to repeat that same motion and be consistent and have that control. That says a lot right there. The only thing, uh, JT, is uh, and I alluded to the is he going to need an injury to be a mid July call up? You've got Barrios, you've got Odorizzi, you got Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and the, and Romero. Mm-hmm. You look at the you look at the money they paid Lance Lynn. I believe it was a one year deal. I don't really see the Lance Lynn that we saw a couple of years ago with the Cardinals. I wouldn't mm-hmm, be surprised mm-hmm. if Minnesota is doing well. At some point, you can never have enough left handed pitching in your rotation, and at some point, you kind of have to wonder, hey, we're still in this. Maybe we need to move on from Lance Lynn, or maybe we need to find a new role for him. I could see him getting a shot that way, or as you said, if there is some kind of injury to that Twins rotation, and let's be real, some of those guys you mentioned at the back end haven't been the picture of health over their career. Um, He could definitely get a shot at that point as well. Well, uh, you look at all – well, you go down the whole rotation, uh, you know, Odorizzi may or may not finish the year. Lance Lynn again, Kyle Gibson, and then you've got a young kid like Romero. You don't know what to expect. So to have a kid like Gonsalves ready to go and have that kind of control, you might see him. I don't know if it's going to be mid-July. I'd go maybe as a September call-up. But if there's that injury, Uh yeah, this is the next guy up, folks. And this is the guy that should definitely be on your radars again this segment. And just Moving along, take, uh, one yeah, last sir. thought. One last thought yeah. on, on Gonzalez. Look at it this way. You look at the guys that are coming up today that are having success. A lot of them are the fireballers. Like I mentioned, this kid's not really a fireballer. But when you have a pitcher that can use guile, if you will, to get people out, uh, 
again, those guys tend to go far in the major leagues. So I'm excited to see what happens with him. Yeah, it's uh, again, like I said, I like him. I like the idea that a big guy has control that early. That usually breeds success. I, I, I don't know. I just, it's been a guy on my radar. I've tried not to say too much to people, but you bring him out tonight, and now I've got to really pay attention to him even more, especially in our league. So, uh, you know, Tate, moving on. You mentioned a kid, right? You know, he's out of here, out of Florida, out of Orlando, and, you know, you hope that, some of the immature stuff is behind him because there is a kid that has a bright future there. You, you mentioned his tools across the border, 50, 55, uh, and 55 and 55. The only one being the power tool. And, and Hey, listen, hasn't stopped D Gordon from having success. Uh, you know, I really like the kid. I can see him maybe towards the end of this year. But my question is this, and it's twofold for you. One, do you see him as the starting second baseman next year out of the gate? And do you see Dozier then moving over to first base because Logan Morrison was signed only under a one-year contract? Do you see maybe Dozier slotting in with his power numbers as a first baseman instead then? I don't see Dozier. I'll take that part of it first. I don't see Dozier moving over from second base because even if Morrison isn't there next year, you've still got Maurer. Yeah, he's kind of hurt and he's plays DH a lot more lately, but uh, you still got Maurer there that can play first. And I don't see uh, Dozier moving over from second. I see, I see Gordon. Like I said, when when I was talking about him earlier. He's listed as shortstop right now. He's bl- been playing shortstop in the minors all season. I I see them, the way the Twins are looking at him and developing him, them bringing him up, trying to bring him up and prepare him to come up to play shortstop in the majors, at least to start off until Dozier's contract is up. Once Dozier's contract is up with the Twins, then maybe they move Gordon over to second. Um mm-hmm. Something that I did read on Gordon, he does he does track to probably be have a better arm, better defensively from second base rather than shortstop. So I like the idea and I agree with the idea of him moving over to second base when Dozier is not there anymore. But I think it's more of when Dozier's contract is up rather than Dozier changing position to make room for Gordon. As far as the other part you mentioned him having some issues in high school and some uh, messing around and whatnot. I think the fact that he's got uh, his dad and his brother being uh, a former major leaguer and a current major leaguer, I think that'll uh, get him in line and put him in the place of where he knows he's really going to know, hey, here's what it's going to take. If you do want to make it, you can't be fooling around. There's a time and a place to mess around, and there's certain ways to do it and all that kind of stuff. But if you want to make it, you want to get your shot and you want to be there long-term, you got to, you got to settle down and get things straight and figure it out. And I think uh, dad and brother, both being experienced will uh, put him in his place when it comes to that type of stuff. I think Tom, dad himself, okay, is just a, a really good person 
in general and somebody that hopefully he continues to go ahead and good, get good advice from. JT, before we move back to your uh, next person here, the hitter, one of the people that we both forgot in mentioning in that rotation as a possibility too yet coming back is Irvin Santana. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a whole mix there of so-so guys, if you ask me, okay, as far as in Gibson, Lynn, and Odorizzi. And I don't care right. how Odorizzi is doing right now. To me, he's still an average guy. He there's is enough he is. of a cushion. Yeah, there's enough of a cushion to see this kid this year. I uh, You say July, I say September. But in other words, folks, we're going to see him. doesn't matter. I know a bunch of people are going to ask, what about Irvin Santana? It's not going to matter. You're still going to see the kid this year. But going right. on, back on to uh, Jordan Alvarez, uh, I have him. You know, listen, he's on the DLJ. He mentioned that and all that. But this is a guy that you have to have on your radar. For a guy his size to have that kind of speed – He's had mixed command of the strike zone, not bad, okay, but his tools are raw. I mean, he's got some great – he's a 55-hit tool, 55 power, 50 fielding. He's he's more of a raw talent kind of guy. I already am projecting him to be a 300-hitter. He he really does have good bat troll. So Mm -hmm. my question to you is – Is it possible? Uh, You mentioned your timing uh, of him. Can you Mm -hmm. even see a scenario where you might not see him until September next year? Is that where you're leaning to? Because they're not in a hurry? Yeah, they're not in a hurry with this kid. They're not going to rush him. Uh, I I could see a September next year. That wouldn't surprise me. You also look at some of the prospects and some of the players that the Astros already have that can play first base or corner outfield positions. Uh, but I think the I think seeing the Astros finally say, look, John Singleton, we've had enough of your garbage. We've had enough of your antics. You haven't shaped up. Hit the road. You know, seeing them get rid of a guy like that just bumps this kid up the ream a little bit. Um, uh, Mr. Reed, I think it's A.J. Reed. Uh, haven't mm-hmm. seen much from him. This kid's supposed nope. to be the end-all, beat-all. We've seen him up in the majors. We've seen him bat well below the Mendoza line and his defense is atrocious. So I, I just think this kid, the Cuban players just seem to translate well to the game. And, it, you know, it reminds me kind of Yoen Moncada. Same thing when he came over. Great bat speed, didn't really have command of the strike zone as a hitter, if you will, and it's something that he's gotten better with with repetitions if you look at his uh, K rate as this season's progressed. I think you'll see the same thing from Alvarez, and I do think he has a sneaky power. You know, 55 power tools, nice, but I've seen this kid, when he hits the ball, you know, you're talking about average velocity of his home runs this year are over 110 miles per hour. This kid's got some pop. So I'm just excited to see what the Astros do with him. And when he does come up, he's in a great hitter's ballpark. Nice. Now let me ask you guys something real, real quick on this. Uh, And are we starting to see a change now? Are the guys like maybe Soto and Vlad Jr. Mm-hmm. and, and uh, Acuna and all these guys, 
are they starting maybe to, uh, a new trend in baseball? Uh, JT, go ahead, go first, and then let Tate wrap us up on this. But uh, are we seeing a new trend where baseball might get a little younger? I think we're seeing the executives out there kind of thinking differently, kind of like we see in Tampa with the whole Romo thing, you know, thinking outside mm-hmm. the box. Age is just a number. If this kid mashes pitching, who cares how old he is? Get him up there. If he continues to prove like Soto has or Guerrero has that they can handle good pitching, why not give mm-hmm. him an opportunity? Uh, and we see that with Soto. Like like I said, his first at bat, uh, you know, in his first start, three-run home run. So these kids aren't afraid of this. They're not afraid of the big stage anymore. There's so much media out there. These kids have been covered through high school, through college, if they went through the minors. The big stage isn't so uh, – the lights aren't as bright as, let's say, when Ken Griffey Jr. came up. Right. Now, in that, in that, let me follow it up then with Tate. In this, Tate, are these kids going to go ahead and eventually help wipe out the whole Super 2 and service time eventually down the road? I doubt that the whole service time thing will ever be completely eliminated because it's a tool that the owners use to have longer-term control of the players and all that kind of stuff. But I do think, as players, as we've mentioned, the players are coming up younger and getting a shot sooner rather than later as they, mm-hmm. at the younger age. I do think it's definitely something that will be addressed in the next collective bargaining agreement from the players association in that, Hey, we get these guys. I'll use Mike Trout as as an example. How long did it take for Trout to, to be able to go from getting paid these minimal piddly numbers in dollars and cents wise to where he's now getting paid like 35 million a year as one of the highest paid players in baseball. And it took him five or six years of, of fighting for it and sitting there, and the team having control because of the, the rookie deal and the service time contract and all that kind of stuff. So I do, I don't think it'll ever be completely eliminated. I don't think the owners will allow it to get to that point, but I think there'll be some major adjustments to it. If the players association has anything to say about it, when it comes to the next collective bargaining agreement, we you know, along that, those lines, the whole guaranteed contracts that these other sports get, and right, right. That, that baseball gets, and the other the other sports like the NFL doesn't have guaranteed contracts. Yes, Major League Baseball has guaranteed yeah. contracts, but the service time allows the teams to hold them back before they have to pay them the big amount Great. of money. Great, good stuff. And it really is. Fantastic, fantastic work by the boys. And, uh, you know, I want to go ahead. We look at the crop report, and everybody's so excited about it. But sometimes I want to go ahead and give you a little bit on some of the guys that we've talked, where they're at, where they're going, and the hot names right now, just some of the hot names. I want to go over three guys. Obviously, I'd be remiss without giving everybody a – Freaking Vlad update, and uh, we hear his name everywhere. He's up to, he got another hit. I uh, know of the last time I heard today, 
Yeah, first at bat, he got a hit. He's up to 435. And it's funny because you still have people going, he's not getting called up till September. He's not getting called up till next year. And you, meanwhile, you got my little blue beard going, he'll be up by June 5th. So uh, I haven't seen, heard, talked to anybody, including several people, uh, including one of them, a past president of the Baseball Writers Association that we talked and uh, she said that there's no way he goes past June. So she wasn't exactly sure of the dates herself. And uh, we talked about that, had a good conversation. So, yeah, Vlad, owners hang tight. He's coming. People are worried, will the bat translate? What, what, what happens if he struggles? He's a hitter. He's got an incredible hit tool. Speaking of an incredible hit tool and somebody that's going to be up and getting lost in that Vlad hype. You know, you heard us talking about in the crop report, we talk about the, the numbers tools and the, the hit tool, the power tool, the run tool, uh, all that stuff. And the, the scale goes up to 80. And you heard us talking about some guys that, you know, they had a hit tool of 50 or 55 or a power tool of uh, 55 and all that stuff. And you hear everybody talking about Vlad this and Vlad that. There's a young man that we've had on the crop report that's getting ready to be out probably sometime right around Vlad because it's all dependent on the Super 2 as we've talked about and the Super 2 basically is uh, regarding arbitration. And I want to get it out there. For those of you who don't know, it's a changing number every year. And the best way to work it and to look at it is roughly 65 games, uh, 65 days into the MLB season from when the season starts. So the, we had an early start. So we're looking at an early June Super 2, somewhere around the 1st and the 3rd has been my call. And uh, again, I said Vlad on the 5th. Eloy Jimenez is a guy that's going to be up real soon. You can't keep this cat down. And we mentioned that hit tool of 60. He's a solid hitter. A power tool of 70. 70, folks. This kid's got a monster bat, and he's got a good hit tool. You know, right now you take a look at what he's doing in the minors. You know, I've projected him earlier as anywhere between a 295 to a 305, maybe a 310 even kind of hitter in uh, the majors, but definitely right floating around 300. So that's solid when you're talking about a power hitter. Right now he's tearing up. Double A, and people question about that whole double A. If you've missed it before, we've talked about this. This is where the uh, a good amount of the prospects come from now, folks. Is the double A system? Triple A is more towards your career minor leaguers, guys that are rehabbing, guys that are working on something uh, they had. They got sent down real quick. They had to work on something, injuries, all this stuff. So, again, you're going to continue to see them come from the double A ranks. This is the way it's set up now. And you're going to see this kid because he's tearing it up at a 328 clip right now, 
with an OPS of 969. You know, I, I, I mean, his numbers have been steady progression from the age of 17 to 21. Right now, in just 137 at-bats, this kid's already got 11 doubles. Throw in a triple, eight homers, 31 RBIs, and his walk-to-strikeout to, to ratio. He's got 11 walks to 24 strikeouts. I mean, he is the full package, and he's not getting talked about because right now, and rightfully so, I mean, somebody hitting 435 should get some attention, you would think. I, I've got people that are just going, oh, I'm sick of hearing about Vlad. You know what? I'm sure that people are sick of him hitting 435 against them, too. There's, you know, right now him and uh, Mr. Bo Bichette are tearing it up for the Fisher Cats. And uh, the Fisher Cats are enjoying a very special time right now with those two young hitters. Moving along, and somebody that we've talked about, and I mentioned last week, and I have to say it again for you folks out in redraft land, Walker Bueller, I've changed him for a redraft to a sell. And it's funny because I have now found out that there might be something to what Jester had to say about the 125 to 130 inning limit as there are reports today. And we're going to follow this up because uh, it was something late just before I came on air. I haven't had the chance to go ahead, follow up on the source because it's not one of my regular ones, but I've heard uh, something mentioned along the lines of he has 10 more games to start. He has a Tommy John rebuilt arm from last year. He wasn't going to see a lot of innings. He's never pitched over 100 innings when he didn't have a surgically repaired arm, folks. Sell them redraft leagues, okay? And right now, so you have an idea what's the value you're getting back on him. Here's the value you're getting back. I've gotten anywhere from uh, Miggy. I got... How I got Glaber Torres for him, I'll never freaking know. But I did. There's good value out there. I got Brandon Morrow for him in another league. So you're getting good value out there. Shop them around. Shop them around. You put it on your waiver wire. I mean, you put them on your your chat board. I'm looking to get whatever, look at wherever it's weak, and make sure it lines up with, again, if you have playoff system. And and this is how I want to close it out tonight. We're getting ready. I got a couple of minutes here before I got to wrap it up. We've talked about this before, and I'm going to continue to drill it home, especially at this time in the fantasy baseball season. If you have a playoff system, Pay attention to how many games your team, your players play during your playoffs. Now, everybody knows Yahoo's my little playground. I love that place. The money leagues, they're fantastic investments, folks, if you know what you're doing. Yahoo playoffs are three weeks. There are teams that during those three weeks – play 20 of 21 days. There are teams that only play 17. You know, I kind of guess I want the one with the players that are playing more. 
And in those Yahoo leagues right now, just I'm going to throw it out there real quick. Those 20 game teams right now, and this is without adding rainouts. And I'll keep everybody up to date on this. Uh, as, as we continue to go through the season, make sure you're trading for the right guys that have the proper schedule that meets your playoffs. And like I said, for you Yahoo people, I'm going to keep you abreast. I've got to keep track of because it, you add rainout days. But right now, the 20-game playoffs for Yahoo are Colorado, Kansas City, the Mets, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay. Again, I'm going to repeat this so that you have it. Right now, without adding rain out dates, 20 of 21 days during your Yahoo playoffs, Colorado, Kansas City, New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies, Tampa Bay. These are your 20-game teams. Folks, it's another one in the books. (laughs) And <laughs> a great one it was, I'll tell you. Had fun with this one. How could you not? I mean, first you get in somebody like Ryan Walton. That just that is pure adrenaline with him, and a great time. I really did. I had a fun time diving with sharks, no damn cage. And then you go ahead, you add in Walt Akins from the Dolphins, and you could tell he's just juiced for this year. I was really happy to hear that. But then again, everybody from that organization is. We've talked playoffs, the NBA, NHL. I had my rant about it. Folks, it's been a great one. I hope you all enjoyed. I'll leave you with this thought. Hi, this is Bob Tewksbury, former Major League pitcher and author of 90% Mental, and you've been listening to Jester Fantasy. Or Fantasy Jester. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. You You could use that. Can I? I might. Yeah. It's all right with you. No, I think it'd be funny. 